You're listening to Mile High Insiders with Nick Kendall and Luke Patterson. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Now, it's time to find out what's going on behind the walls of UC Health Training Center. We're letting it breathe until I get the thumbs up from Buwana that we are rolling, and there it is. Buwana gives us the thumbs up, and that means we are kicking off today with Saturday night's episode of Mile High Insiders. I am Nick Kendall, joining you today with Luke Patterson. Luke, how are you doing, bud? Dude, I am pumped, man. It's getting cold here in the Mile High City. We are just hours. We're hours away from the game tomorrow against the Chiefs. I can't wait, man. I mean, it's just if football season is the best season. I'm cooking up some green chili already for the game tomorrow, Nick. I'm just, man, I'm ready for this game. I'm pumped. Pumped. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's been nine games since the Broncos have beaten the Chiefs, but this feels about as good of a chance as this team's had in a bit. Obviously not having the much of the home fans, that presence there is going to be a bit of a bummer for the Broncos, but Drew Locke's back. They're getting back a lot of bodies. And, you know, regardless of the outcome of the game, I'm really excited to see how the Broncos match up against the reigning Super Bowl champs. But before we get going any further, we need to let you guys know that tonight's live stream podcast is brought to you by sportsbetting.com. Broncos country gambling is now legal in the great state of Colorado. And here's what makes sportsbetting.com a no-brainer for all sports fans. They have sharp odds and low juice. They have in-house bookmakers. Not They don't use a third-party provider for odds. They have reduced juice and best the best prices, hassle-free bonuses with a one-time rollover. They have 24-7 live customer support, so a real person always answers your calls. And here's the kicker at sportsbetting.com forward slash mile high huddle. You can get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. Not just one bet, but all of your bets. Play for a week, and if your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com forward hat forward slash mile high huddle will cover you for 100 of the difference up to one thousand dollars with a one-time rollover so head on over to sportsbetting.com www.sportsbetting.com forward slash mile high huddle that's www.sportsbetting.com forward slash mile high huddle and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to one thousand dollars what are you waiting for also guys make sure you find us on twitter at luke patterson lp and myself at nick kendall mhh if you are joining us today via youtube do us a huge favor and like subscribe and share this show and on Facebook, click those thumbs up. All those can really help us go to uh, iTunes, five-star rating and a review. All of that can really help us uh, reach more people going forward. Also, Mile High Huddle is an affiliate of Sports Illustrated. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Listen up, Broncos country. Coors Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability, Their brand was inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world. It has a mission to restore America's rivers. Never before has it been so easy to make an impact and make a difference and do good in the world. Coors Hard Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, simply by cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering. Our waterways, guys, they are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. And through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers. Wrap your brain around that. And the communities that depend on them, it's so important. The results? One billion, that's with a B gang, gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River. And that's just year one. And here's what's great about Coors Hard Seltzer. Four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in, gang. Coors Seltzer is 4.5% ABV and only 90 calories. Chad, I got to say, for last Sunday's slate of NFL games, I picked up a Coors Hard Seltzer and mango. Loved it. This week, I picked up a Coors Hard Seltzer and black cherry. Loved it even more. So, guys... Whether you want to support the cause or like the flavors, you won't be disappointed with a Coors Hard Seltzer. Amen. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It is that simple. Visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find Coors Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. 
For every 12 pack sold through 831 2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. So, obviously, we hinted at it in the beginning of the show. It's Chiefs week. The Broncos have not beaten the Chiefs since week two, 2015, when uh, Jamal Charles gifted the Broncos and Bradley Roby one of the, gosh, that 2015 season was just a hell of a ride as it was. But Man, that was a great game. Since then, the Broncos have not really done very well against the Kansas City Chiefs, and it is what it is. The Broncos owned the Chiefs for many, many years, uh, but you know what goes around comes around. The Chiefs have the upper hand right now, but game going to Denver, anything can happen. Yeah, man, five years is way too long to go uh, just yeah. with the broom, right? I mean, the Chiefs have been taking the Broncos out behind the woodshed with the broom and beating them, not sweeping them, beating them. And it's just been embarrassing, man. It's It's been something that the Broncos have had in their craw for years, yeah. so much so that we have theorized that a lot of their NFL draft moves and selections suggested that they want to go toe-to-toe with the Kansas City Chiefs if they want to be playoff contenders. So, it's really kind of put up or shut up now. It's 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 seeing the first new look Broncos against the world championship team in the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think we got a lot of good matchups that we got to get to. But first, we got news, Nick. I thought the Sylvester Williams, Tib Jernigan defensive line cuts, that was going to be it, you know, on Thursday. And then here we go on Friday. The, the Broncos are making, uh, making some Broncos country a little bit mad, anxious, eager, by releasing this defensive back, Devontae Bosby, Nick, a guy that, man, Broncos country didn't know why he wasn't on this team to begin with as, as an active guy, let alone somebody that should be getting a lot of reps. What do you make of the release cornerback Devontae Bosby, no longer a Denver Bronco? Well, Bosby obviously seems like a guy that the fan base likes a lot more than this coaching staff. They were willing this last offseason to not put a tender on him and to let him potentially walk, brought him back, didn't make the squad the first time, brought him back, and now he's off the teams again. So that is, obviously he's flashed some coverage ability, but there is a little bit of a, a gambler in his ability as well. You'll see him go for the ball instead of making a secure player. And with the Broncos defense, with so much bend, don't break, relying on everybody to do their jobs, sometimes that's a little bit of an issue. And also that means that you're replacing uh, Bosby with, Boye coming back, which is a huge get. I mean, I know that's, yes. let's not, let's not get too upset about how we got there. The big thing is that Boye is back and this Broncos secondary should be as good as they've been all season. But uh, Bosby news, I, I would say it's a little bit surprising. The only yeah. thing, and I haven't heard anything. I know this is my high insiders. I haven't heard anything as to why the thing that I wrap my head around is it's gotta be special teams ability. Devante Harris. Uh, there's also, of course, Bassey, some guys who tackle much better. Oh, and we got Holden Adams coming in. Special teams. That's got to be the big reason why. And Bosby, that's up, he's long. He can move around a little bit. But yeah, as far as the tackling goes, that's been an issue with him. So we always complain about the Broncos special teams. And we shouldn't get too upset when they make a move <laughs> that probably directly correlates with special teams. Yeah, man. It's one of those things where there's just so many areas of improvement that the Denver Broncos are trying to stack on to their team, just to be a competitive team in the division with the Kansas city chiefs. You got to look at how the Raiders beat the chiefs. You got to look at how the bills played the chiefs, played them tied a little bit and then just kind of, you know, unwound. But I think it's one of those things, Nick, where there's so much more news that we've got to get to. I want to say what's up to some of our, our folks yeah, in here real quick, because I see folks up here just they're they're upset, Nick. They're they're pissed. They're saying, you know, come on, Bosby. Richie's up here saying Bosby made plays. Why is he not here? You know, we're 12 hours, 24 hours away from kickoff, and we can't seem to get a defensive back that Broncos country very much so likes. So obviously, A.J. Bouye coming in. That makes a lot of sense, right? Miles yeah. Mixon coming in, giving us that go Broncos. And, John, I'm going to let you go ahead and take that, brother, and get our community up in the feed. But, Nick, um, man, a lot to get to. Devontae Bosby, I'm, I'm surprised. I really am. Um, yeah, again, but also it comes back to the Broncos right now, how their fit is that the Harris and Bosby are younger. They tackle better. There's more special teams ability there. Then you have a guy like Duke Dawson who is much more of a hybrid player. He's a nickel slash safety. So, hey, Big E Bronco, thank you very much. What's up? And Nick, uh, so- I liked what you said first, just to interrupt. You you described Devontae Bosby as a gambler. That's a term that I hadn't really thought of. Can you 
Tell us more about what that means to you for a cornerback in Vic Fangio's scheme. Why does Vic Fangio not like that gambler cornerback in, in Devontae Bosby? Take us in the inside the head of the grouchy old Vic Fangio and why he didn't want Devontae Bosby. Other than A.J. Bouye, you're describing him as a gambler. What does that mean? Well, we saw it last week. There's a few plays where obviously some guys gamble and they win. Akeem Talib was a gambler, but in this scheme with the integrity of that back, the back guys, whoever it be on the defensive play call, you have to be able to do your job. And if you mess up because you are covering a space rather than a guy, yes. it's off to the races. So we saw that with Bosby last week. There was one where he kind of reached across and missed it rather than going with a secure wrap up, maybe maybe doing a Michael Ojemudia and the guy catches the ball, but guess what? The play is not over. Go attack that ball, even though it's in his frame. So we had, haven't seen that so much with Boye. Boye is just a little bit less of a, uh, a lesser tackler. And also he's a, I would say he's almost a pure boundary guy in terms of his skill set. So that's why a guy like Duke Dawson is saying Bassey are, are more likely to stick on the roster because you have Boye coming back. He's a boundary guy. You have Michael Ojemudia. He's a boundary guy. And uh, Devontae Harris is a boundary guy. So again, cornerback and then just cornerback. It's kind of matters how those guys fit. And I wouldn't be, again, surprised. We've already seen Bosby kick around two times this year. This is the third time. Sure. Other teams, maybe somebody will pick him up, but like the other teams have had chances two times now. I think that you're worth, it's willing, I, I'm okay with them willing to risk him being picked up by another team, especially with Boye coming back. Now, if he gets hurt again, then like, well, you were going to be in trouble either way. But I don't think it's as big of a news. Bosby has flashed, but I don't think that his, again, who are, we, I know we're here to kind of question Donatel and Fangio, but like who is anybody to question Donatel and Fangio when it comes to defensive backs? So I, I tip my head off, hat off to those two old coaches there. I think they're probably, they probably made the right decision. And I think Bosby will still be retained by the Broncos, but on the practice squad. Yeah. And they certainly surprised me because I was willing to write off Bryce Callahan, Nick. And that's someone that you were just talking about. Just a quick, quick flashback. Uh, Bryce Callahan seemed to always be bit by the injury buck bug couldn't get out there as a Denver Bronco and he's been playing very well on the perimeter very well I personally like in him spot. in the yeah I like him in the slot best but I understand with the Bouye injury and your team being the way they are you've had to move him out there on the perimeter where he's actually performed well um mm -hmm. so I'm very very impressed with Bryce Callahan so to your point Nick you definitely have to give Fangio credit after that New England game I don't want to get into the leftovers of that game because we are just hours away from the Chiefs but I think it comes down to the theory if you're on defense against the Kansas City Chiefs right it's it's one of those things do you sit back and try to bend but not break or do you send the house well I don't think you're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs with stellar defensive back play. I think it's going to, I'd rather take away the run game, considering that the Kansas City Chiefs went out this offseason and decided to get a run game. I mean, Clyde Edwards Alaire has rushed for more rushing yards, I think, in the last three games, four games, than the Chiefs did all season last year. So, it's very important for the Broncos to try to look at the Chiefs and figure out that the linebacker position is very valuable for the Broncos. And a little bit of news there with that linebacker. Um, it looks like, oh, we got Ryan coming in here real quick. Do we need to get to some supers? Let's get to Ryan. Ryan's coming in the house. Ryan Steiner with a $5 super. What's up, Ryan? Who else thinks that – I can't see what that emoji is. It's a is. lock. It's Ooh, a lock. That Drew Locke is going to get light – or is Drew Locke is going to light it up. Man, Ryan's Ryan's thinking Drew Locke's going to light it up. Uh, KJ Hamler's back. Noah Fant's back. Ding, ding, uh, ding. Jerry Judy. There's some guy named Jerry Judy still on this team. Uh, Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick. Back-to-back -back career games, Nick. Ryan thinks Drew Locke's going to light it up. What say you? I think Drew Locke will have a good game, but I think it's going to be much like last week where you're going to see flashes of brilliance. Hopefully his teammates don't let him down. Uh, this week, but also you're going to see some low level plays as well. We're going to wonder like, Hey, why is he using improper mechanics with his base? What was he seeing there in that read? I mean, what is this going to be his eighth career start in the NFL? And especially with the pressure of going up the Kansas city Chiefs. So again, Broncos have not beat in nine straight games and also trying to keep up with Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. I think we're going to see some flash splash plays, some great brilliance from Drew Locke, but also there's going to be a few head scratchers just kind of comes yeah. to be expected with where he is right now in his overall career development. Yeah, Ryan, I love the love the optimism because uh, one thing I was kicking around a little bit with the guys this week was, you know, if the Broncos are able to beat the Chiefs, right? And we'll get to our predictions at the end of the show. I think it would be a signature win for not only Vic Fangio because he got one last week against the Patriots, but for Drew Locke. I mean, I would love to see, you know, Drew Locke, the the franchise QB in waiting. We hope 
knock on wood, uh, get the game ball against his former team, you know, and the Kansas City Chiefs, his his the team that he grew up loving. And they never knew a Super Bowl until Pat Mahomes. You gotta know it's in Drew Locke's cross. So I'm wondering and hoping, you know, if if dreams can become realities tomorrow, Nick. Am I crazy for that? I mean, any given Sunday, and I think there is as much variable this season, given the state of the world, as we like to refer to what's going on right now on this show, uh, that, you know, any given Sunday, I think reigns even more true because there's just, it's wilder than ever. It's almost like college football where there's like, let's say the big 12, anything can happen in the big 12 because it's just a crazy league. So I think the Broncos definitely have a chance. And with Noah Fant coming back, maybe you get a big play. There's not much on tape with KJ Hamler. Uh, Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy should have a better week. I think overall the Broncos are definitely going to have a chance. So it's the, uh, and Patrick Mahomes has looked a little bit more human this season than he has in years past. Honestly, the guy who's been unconscious so far this season is uh, Russell Wilson, not as much Patrick Mahomes. So uh, I think the Broncos got a chance. I really do. Any given Sunday, I know it's cliche, but I think they can keep it close. The defense looks well now. Granted, I think this is a big point. Also the Patriots and the jets are two of the teams with probably the, some of the worst skill positions offensively as we've te- as we've seen in the NFL this, so far this season. And now you're going against the Kansas city chiefs who have Michael Hardman as like the lesser of the passing weapons, uh, Travis Kelsey, Tyree kill. So again, we're going to find out a lot about this team. Just it's a measuring stick stick game. We can take a lot from it. Even if the Broncos don't come out with a dub. So it should be an exciting game. And again, we said, it, I said it last week after the Broncos pulled out and going into the game, it's so much more enjoyable when drew locks playing. Got it. Just night and day. The Broncos, Broncos have a chance, and, and you know, felt like they've had a chance forever. Exactly. And you know who else is playing? Veteran linebacker Nigel Bradham mm-hmm. making his uh, Denver Bronco de- debut tomorrow. And Oscar coming in with a quick comment. Oscar, appreciate you. Love the love the is that Justin Simmons in there. Looks like I'm I'm guessing Oscar wants that deal to get done for Justin Simmons, just based off of that one. So Oscar's coming in. It's all going to fall on Bradham versus Kelsey. I love that. I had to pull that comment up, not only because it's newsworthy, but because Oscar knows football. Oscar knows football because it doesn't take, um, I don't know, a committee to figure out that a tight end named Travis Kelsey has been scorching the league for years, particularly the Broncos. How do the Broncos utilize the current linebackers? And if they decide to get Bradham in there, um, what's his matchup look like against Travis Kelsey? Well, Bradham does have more movement skills than Josie Jewell in the pass coverage game. But also, I hate to be that guy. There was a reason that he was available yes. when the Broncos picked him up. I mean, there's this is a league that is pretty desperate for guys who can cover at that second level against tight ends and running backs. and the fact that Bradham was out there should probably be an indicator of the overall level of play. Now he is going to contribute. There's no sure. doubt about that, but like, he's not, I don't think everybody like, Oh, Bradham's up. Now we fixed the linebacker problem. Right. It's honestly, I'm thinking if you, you're concerned about, it's not just Travis Kelsey, it's Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. It's maybe yes. even Le'Veon bell against yep. the linebackers. I think the solution we saw it tipped off last week, it's going six defensive back sets. And I know that you make yourself vulnerable against the run game there. Honestly, I'm kind of a little bit, I differ than you because if Clyde Edwards Alaire beats me this week, you know, so be it. But I refuse. And sometimes you don't have a choice in the matter with this one, but I refuse to do 80 yard bombs. Patrick Mahomes running around making explosive plays in the pass game. I mean, that's what makes the Chiefs so dangerous. So if Clyde Edwards Alaire beats you, Lottie Dog, guess what? That probably means they're not ripping off huge touchdowns left and right. And you can keep the game close and kind of muddy things up, kind of slow things down. And I think that helps the Broncos a lot. So. I'm okay with going six defensive back sets. And if that means the chiefs audible to running the football, so be it. And especially with how good the Broncos defensive front, Mike Purcell, Shelby Harris, Alexander Johnson, Josie Jewell have been in clogging those run lines. I mean, they've been say what you want about any of the units of the Broncos right now, the run defense has been very good. Yeah, it's been one of those pick your poison things for for the Broncos. That's how we're all looking at it right now, right? Do they want to pick yeah. their poison against the run or the pass? Um, getting a feeling from talking to some folks out there uh, that uh, the Broncos have some anger in this game. I don't. I wouldn't call it swag. I wouldn't call it confidence. I wouldn't call it bravado. They just they seem tired of it. They seem upset. They seem just ready to move on. And Chase is coming in here with a quick comment that I want to transition to because um, it's a position that I think Broncos country is definitely worried about. One of their favorite players, maybe they're a little worried about. Chase Wellner coming in. I wonder if we would have been better off having Glasgow play center instead. 
Lloyd Cushenberry. We all thought, including me, that Lloyd was probably a little bit more ready than he was uh, to start in the NFL. And he's he's trying his best. Um, he's having, I would say, a decent rookie campaign. He's getting a lot of experience, but you're seeing a lot of the left guard play suffer in Dalton Reisner. I know that he's beat up a little bit, and we'll talk about whether or not we think he's going to play listed as questionable right now. But uh, Nick, Graham Glasgow, I like what I'm seeing from Graham Glasgow on these power runs, uh, especially to the left side. The counters. Yep, and and some of those counters. Now, Chase is saying that Glasgow's versatility is just so good that maybe you can move him into center. He played tons of center in Detroit, as you know. What do you make of Graham Glasgow and Lloyd Cushenberry and that interior piece of the offensive line that we thought would be just locked down so strong and has had some cracks? I think that you're probably not moving Cushenberry off center coming off his best game of his career so far. Again, state of the world right now, weird off season. It was going to take some time, but if the Broncos, if anything, the Broncos benefited at all from that weird flux bye week that wasn't going to be a bye week the yep. offensive line had time to gel and work together and they looked as good as they have all season last week so i'm not moving cushionberry right now i think that's you're pro- probably you might be hurting his confidence right when he's maybe finally starting to get it you already have some concerns about the snap exchange between the center and drew lock who's that's been issues both games that lock has uh or two of the three games lock has started so far and we're not sure about riser playing so i think that would further throw in some instability and lack of chemistry in that area. So I definitely, it's an area where you could go, but I think right now you're going to have to live with Cushionberry there. And we got DeWalter coming in. Let's clap those chiefs. I'm not going to say that last word, even though it makes me laugh. We're going to try to keep a little PG on there, even though it flashed on the screen. <laughs> DeWalter drills. I love it so much, man. I love it. Yes. That's how I'm feeling. DeWalter drills going Tim Patrick on him, letting him know how he feels. And uh, we'll get into some of Timmy P's comments later. I want to hear from you guys in the MHH community. He is Nick Kendall at Nick Kendall MHH. I'm Luke Patterson at Luke Patterson LP. We got Bawana Beast on the ones and twos in the backs. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So, Nick, I got to ask you real quick before we get to Jay. Um, mm. Those those exchanges between Drew Locke and Lloyd Cushenberry, uh, I can't figure out what's going on. I, I'm trying to go through and figure out if it's on the center, if it's on the quarterback. Honestly, Nick, it kind of looks like it's on both of them. What are you seeing with some of these foobars from the uh, under center exchange with Drew Locke and Lloyd Cushenberry? I mean, it's one of those things, unless you have eyes right on it in practice and you can pull zoom in. I mean, we still have, we have the all 22, but it's not always great. So you're right. Right. You can only get so far into that little box that no one wants to get really into. And maybe that's the problem for Drew Locke. He needs to get more in that box, but uh, yeah, I sometimes man, think I, he's trying to get into his drop before the ball is stable, yes. like trying to read the defense. Where am I going? What am I doing with my footwork? And it's also yes. again, chemistry. So I think it's something that over time, I think it'll get better again. It's been a weird off season. No rookie class probably has ever been as coming into a weird situation where they're not ready to go. And then a new offense on top of it. So I think it'll get better, but it is something to watch for. It's kind of like the red zone defense or the red zone offense too. You know, weird offseason, red zone offense is as much about execution as any other part of the game. You have to be precise, and the Broncos are suffering there right now. So I think it'll get better, but it's something that you're just going to have to have a little bit of perspective and patience as it hopefully gets better over time. I I agree. And we got Jay Boss coming in here. Jay Boss with a 499 Super Chat. What's up, Jay? Love the picture, man. Looks like uh, you have some family, friends, maybe girlfriend, wife at a game. Hopefully we can get you back to those Broncos games very, very soon. If Drew Locke doesn't pan out, what are the chances that John Elway gives Dak Prescott a shout? He's coming off the knee injury and he deserves to get paid. Denver Broncos for life. Jay Boss. Man, you would be making Zach Kelberman's day. I can tell you that. Um, if we could get Dak Prescott in here, Nick, some people have already written Drew Locke off. They say that these goofy injuries and his sloppy footwork, his poor mechanics, and I would call it sometimes arrogance in his strong arm that, uh, is just ultimately going to be his downfall and he's not the guy. Some people are saying, go suck for Trevor Lawrence, start, start trading around. Hell, I've heard people say, get Ryan Fitz, mag- Fitz magic in here, right? Nick, 
what do you think about Dak Prescott? Uh, obviously a nasty, nasty injury, but we've seen some former Cowboys come to the Broncos before. How about a quarterback? I mean, if Drew Locke bottoms out this season or he suffers a third significant injury, I think it's something that we're going to need to have a conversation about. I mean, it's pretty obvious that Dak Prescott has become one of the top 10 best quarterbacks in football. I think yeah. that the Cowboys would be remiss to move on from him. I think the more we see of Andy Dalton, the more they're going to kind of realize like, hey, you know, it's kind of like you, you had a uh, there's a girl you're texting with. and You had a, a good girlfriend. You know, she's you know, but maybe she's not the one you want to marry. You break up for a bit and you're talking with this other girl. And you're like you look back and like look at the pictures. And I'm like, oh, my God, the one that got that away. Yeah, yeah <laughs> back, babe. I'm so stupid. Yeah. So, um, yeah. You're, so, I, I mean, it's possible. Dating. Yeah. And the, the guy's like, oh, maybe I can do better. Maybe I want to be single for a little bit. And then you realize, ah, man, I had it so good. I had it so good. I know yeah. maybe she's not Kate Upton. Yes. But damn, she's she's a nine out of ten. And, she 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 loves, and she's smart. <laughs> and, she, and she loves me, right? And Jay coming yeah. back in. I want to see Locke be That's the man, funny. but I'm just curious. I'm just creating talk. No, and Jay, you're creating accurate talk and good talk yeah. because – Quarterback is the most important position in professional sports. I don't care if you're an NBA fan, uh, hockey, baseball, whatever, man. It's quarterback. That's just the way it is. So until the Broncos find their quarterback, this will always be the conversation. Until Drew yeah. Locke pulls out a signature win. And Houston, that was a little bit of a, a rookie come, coming out party, right? Saying, hey, man, look, I, I think I could have been in the first round, but definitely hasn't shown us a lot since then. But uh, we got to see some improvements. Now, I'm not a Drew Locke hater if I'm ripping on his mechanics. I'm just being honest. I, I just want to clear that up right now. Mechanics and footwork have been a problem since he was Missouri. I just watched his pro day for Missouri again, Nick, and that was one of the worst pro days I think he's ever – I mean, I've ever seen. Uh, it was just one of those things where he was wild, letting the, letting the ball rip. So having those quarterback – conversations are definitely definitely valid but we've got ernie mays coming in here believe in our broncos any team can be beat with that mile high magic and ernie i completely agree with you but nick i'm gonna ask you straight up man um i would feel a lot better about broncos country being in that stadium screaming and yelling and booing Mahomes, and not going to be the case but you know what is going to be the case? Weather. It's getting cold here in the Mile High City. Uh, some forecasts for some snow. I'm not sure if I buy into accumulation. I think it's going to be really, really cold. How much do you think the weather is going to affect this game for the Broncos and Chiefs? Well, I think the wind is going to be medium at best. Uh, I've seen 10, 15 miles an hour. So honestly, that should help the passing games. Because the footing, the wide receivers know where they're going. So the defensive backs are actually the ones that can be put on skates. Uh, the biggest question is with how cold it is in the snow. We know Drew Locke, we saw him throw it around last year against the Chiefs in the snow. But Drew Locke, I mean, you, I know it's kind of, some people will roll their eyes, but the nine-inch hands, I mean, it's something that you got to worry about with the grip, especially with the thumb injury as well. I know that thumb injury was a while ago, but there has been some talk that that thumb injury was not 100% even coming into this season. So it's something to watch. I think for sure. I'm not super worried about it as long as it's not last year where I was at that Kansas city game last year, just literally Oof. inches of snow on my shoulder. <laughs> but uh, I think he's going to have a, I think it's going to make an impact. The biggest thing though, I think is it helps the chiefs. I really think it helps the chiefs because they have an offense that has a lot of different types of weapons. They can space guys out and they can pick matchups. I mean, I think there was that touchdown last year in the first quarter against the chiefs where Justin Simmons looks like he was standing in space. Or they yeah. are standing still because he just couldn't get footing and Tyreek Hill blew past him. So yep. that's my biggest concern with the snow. I think it really, really does help the Chiefs' weapons versus the Broncos' secondary. I'm going to push back on that. I think it actually helps the Broncos' defense a little bit mm -hmm. um, because of all the dynamic playmakers that the Kansas City Chiefs have. They can go sideline to sideline. I know they can go north to south, but sometimes when Tyreek Hill's in that open field, he's not going to be cutting east to west as much as he's he's used to. I saw Pat Mahomes in a torrential downpour against the Buffalo Bills having some problems gripping the ball and throwing the ball. So Drew Locke, he's probably going to have those problems too, right? It's just one of those problems that the quarterback's going to have. What does worry me is that Chiefs offensive rushing game. However, when you've got Schwartz and what two other offensive linemen out and most of your backups in Kansas City are now starters for your big guys, that's a very, very good thing for the Denver Broncos defense. I'm hoping that the Kansas City Chiefs decide that uh, they want to test Vic Fangio a little bit and see if his defensive scheme that's been holding up well to the run can contain 
new running back, new running back, Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards Alaire. That's a mouthful, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we got Terry Randall coming in state of being nine days. Going to see Duke bald. Um, oh, sounds like a bet. It does sound like a bet. What's and up, also we Terry? Got the, we got to know about that bet. I got to know. I got yeah, to know about that bet with Duke because Duke is a he's an ornery pirate and he deserves he deserves to shave if he's going to lose that bet. And congratulations on that second granddaughter or grandson. I, don't, I didn't get clarification to Duke Boyden. So, uh, yeah, man, definitely sounds like a bet, Terry. Let us know because we like those bets. Yes, absolutely. I'm all about friendly bets, friendly wagers. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Um, Nick, if Harris is so good, why did Bosby play and do well? Well, Bosby did well against the Jets, first off. It's the and Jets. also, Harris was injured. And so I think that's the biggest thing. Harris was active. Bosby was on, not on the team, not on the active roster, the game day roster. And Harris's injury was the reason, one of the reasons that Bosby was called up. So I think that's important to understand the path of how he got there. I think you're uh, right. So, yep. No, that's the, I think the biggest thing for this game, I am worried about the explosive plays. And if the, if the defensive backs can't get traction, that could be an issue for the Broncos just because the spacing games that the chiefs can play with those weapons. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And I, I don't, I don't know. I think I'm my biggest concern also is the, the linebackers for the Broncos. I mentioned it on Twitter this week. This the Broncos have been blitzing a heck of a lot with the linebackers and generating pressure. I think part of that is because uh, Broncos haven't been generating very much organic pressure with just four guys, so they've needed to call pressure at certain times. And you know, hats off to Vic; it's been working. Especially Alexander Johnson, he's probably his best skill set is coming as a blitzer from that a gap. Uh, but I think the uh, <laughs> good thanks Terry. Um, but I think that the Broncos in space, especially Josie Jewell, but also Alexander Johnson against those linebackers or against those running backs and tight ends, Travis Kelsey specifically, is probably the thing that makes me the most nervous about this game. I just don't think the Broncos have a guy on their roster that can neutralize those matchups right now. And man, the tough thing about it is I just so much of me wants to just say, well, Nick, you've got K Jack, put K Jack on him, but why can't you put K Jack on him? Because you don't want your safety just designated to only the tight end. When you've got burners all over the Kansas city chiefs that can go deep. Just like you said, I don't want to see those go routes. I don't want to see guys, but, but uh, at the same time, I mean, just like Vic Fangio has mixed up some of those blitzes and I've loved it. Um, I think four blitzes is about it. That's all I want to see. Um, I, I'm personally of the the Raider plan right now, where maybe you just run with your three defensive linemen. And I know you're a big fan of kind of dropping back the DBs as well, because to think that you're just going to get to Pat Mahomes and he's not going to beat you underneath or over the top is just foolish. The guy is uh, he's brilliant. He just now said that he's trying to figure out how to cover defenses, and that's a scary, scary thought. Or, or read the defenses rather. So um, for me, man, it's it's one of those things where I'd like to see four blitzes at the most, but can we get some man-to-man coverage in the house? I mean, Michael Ojemudia, dude, I, I know he's your Iowa guy and they like the zone and he does very well at it, but you know what? I like that he wears 23 because the guy's a freaking athlete. I want to see what he can do and maybe some man. I'm not saying you're going to see the best thing ever, and you're going to see rookie cornerbacks get beat. But to me, I am so impressed with this rookie cornerback and his knowledge of the game, his awareness of the ball, uh, his consistency. I'm waiting for that interception, but can we get some man coverage in, in the house just a little bit? Maybe a delayed blitz? We need some creativity on defense as well. Yeah, I think the thing with man coverage, uh, it's looking at the Chiefs' stats and how they win. It's that Travis Kelsey is his own beater and that Tyree Kill is a man beater. But Tyree Kill, when he is a man beater, means that it's going to the house. Where Travis Kelsey, you're going to get gashed and you're probably going to be bleeding out a little bit, but it's not a clean decapitation move like a Tyree Kill house call is. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. But we'll see a lot of uh, match quarters also. You know, the Broncos, Vic Fangio, love and to John, do that. And, John, did you did you hear that in the back there? If, you, if we could ever save audio, I want to hear that with the Tyreek Hill as a man beater. That's – that's all I, that's that I'm going to leave it there. And everybody else in Broncos country who knows that I hate, hate Hill, you know why? So there we yeah. go. We got Kenneth Booker coming up in here. Do you guys see Fant becoming an eight touchdown, 800 yard guy? 
Kenneth Booker, Kenneth Booker, Kenneth Booker. Man, I know you are pumped that Noah Fant is back. I am pumped that Noah Fant is back. Nick is pumped that Noah Fant is back. Heck, John is pumped that Noah Fant is back. But I think Nick's a little more pumped that Noah Fant's back because Alberto drops a couple touchdowns. Now, I was thinking of you, Nick, when he dropped those touchdown passes because I could just feel your anger. And it was much more than mine. I was already mad, and I'm saying, look, man, this kid's coming for Noah. This, he's coming for Noah in a couple of years. Let's slow down just a little bit. Now, can you agree with me here that maybe there are some flashes of Noah's downfalls with Alberto? There's there's the potential there, but you saw he wasn't ready. I mean, he's suiting up and then just going out there, and Drew's looking to him like they're playing schoolyard ball against the Pats. It's not how things are done, but – to answer Kenneth Booker's question, I mean, Fant, what role is he going to have in this uh, game against the Chiefs? And is he going to be an 800-yard guy, eight touchdowns? It's tight ends day the other day, right? So can we celebrate the tight end and Noah Fant? I definitely think Noah Fant in the future can become an eight-touchdown, 800-yard guy. A lot of it depends on the weapons around him and how heavily what his target share is for you fantasy nerds out there and how good his quarterback is. I mean, if you have a bad quarterback, He's going to struggle a little bit, but I think the biggest thing with Noah Fant that we're going to see this week that's going to help a heck of a lot is that Noah Fant, the stuff that you can do with him in the red zone to create matchups, I mean, especially like Iowa when they had used him a lot, and Denver used it as well. They'd use that play where Fant would be in motion and that linebacker would have to catch him, and to that, to that, outs, or that nearest pylon, when Fant running sideways, that linebacker half the time can't catch him. I mean, that's an easy touchdown, just diving for the, diving for the sticks. So I think that we're going to see really good uh, red zone production or not really good, but a big, big tick in red zone production because of the Noah Fant being out there and maybe as well. I mean, the chiefs we're talking about the Broncos linebackers being or struggling, not maybe not having the best athleticism, but chiefs also do not have great athleticism at the linebacker position. So maybe some two tight end sets where you get Albert O and Noah Fant out there. I know you're sacrificing a little bit of blocking there, but I think the key when you go with something like that is that you are putting the chiefs in a position where either, they take off a linebacker for a defensive back. And guess what? That In that case, even if it's Alberto or Noah Fant who aren't dominant in line guys, you have an advantage. Or if they stick in base, throw it on them. Yes. Make, whichever one's against the worst linebacker or safety, throw it on them. Put them in a position where they have to de- they have to decide and you dictate which way you go based on what their decision is. So I think that's a way to go. And I'm really excited to see Noah Fant this season. Both of those guys should continue to improve. Uh, but Noah Fant and Alberto together, maybe they do overlap each other's skill sets a little bit. Like if Noah Fant gets hurt for a while, you're going to see a lot of Alberto. But I think given how much, I mean, Alberto looked better than I thought he would week one. I mean, you can see the talent there. So getting both those guys on the field, that if that's something that you can do to put a team in a position where they are uncomfortable, you got to do it. I agree. I completely agree. And Nick, we're, we're, we're in it. We're in it here in Broncos country's letting it rip. Oscar coming in again. Yeah. In hindsight, Vanette signing still makes no sense. Gee, why are you saying that, Oscar? Is it because he's tripping over himself and just not producing? Because that's why we're scratching our heads, wondering why it's taken the Broncos to get Alberto so involved. Now, yes, they're going to say blocking. Well, he's not so good at blocking. Well, you know what? Neither is a lot of the Broncos' offensive line, and we're still able to get past that. Um, The problem, as everyone saw with Alberto, I think was the playbook. Because to me, it seemed like the playbook was so scripted for when they got into the red zone that uh, it was very one-dimensional part of his game. I mean, until you can really open that up, and Pat Shermer, former tight ends coach, right? He gets it. Um, He's not going to trust that guy just yet. So, Nick, I got to get at you, though, real quick, because I know you'd love talking running backs. You would draft them all in the first round if you ever had the opportunity. So, Running backs, Nick, talk to me real quick because obviously <laughs> Melvin Gordon, yeah, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, man, there's been talk about this since Melvin Gordon was signed, right? Who was it a good signing? Was it not a good signing? I mean, some people can definitively say yes or no right now, and I'm willing to listen to either argument. But I want to know who's going to be starting at running back for the Denver Broncos. And no, I'm not going to let you give me the PC answer of they're both going to start like that cute little package we rolled out against the Titans. Um, what do you think is going to happen with Melvin Gordon coming off a of DUI, Philip Lindsay putting the team on his back in Foxborough? Talk to me about the running backs and what you expect to see against the Chiefs. So you're saying I can't say start both of them? No, you can't start both of them because you know why? Because I, Melvin Gordon's strep throat last friday okay 
strep throat. I'm just going to tell you all this sometimes, okay? Think about it in terms, and, and this isn't me hearing anything, but watch what they do, not what they say. And Melvin Gordon back at practice this week, you know, obviously scrubbed out at practice a little bit the week before. I, I don't think Melvin Gordon starts, Nick. I don't think Melvin Gordon starts. I think he plays, but Philip Lindsay is the starting running back in this game, right, wrong, or indifferent. You, the answer is right in front of you. You just can't see it. Neither start. You're going out there with no running backs, running zero two personnel. No, receivers, tight ends, just no. around the yard. <laughs> <laughs> we got Ham- uh, uh, we got Hamler back. Tim Patrick's playing great. Jerry Judy, Noah Fan, Alberto, running back. Who? Nah. But honestly, I think that Lindsay's probably going to be the one out of the gate. I think yeah. that he's probably the best option. First and second down between the 20s, and you get Gordon in there on third down because he's a better pass blocker, because he is a better receiver. And then also in the red zone, you're probably going to lean Gordon as well. I mean, if Gordon's there last week, we're probably talking about one of those being a touchdown, one of those red zone trips ending up a touchdown. So I think that really you got to find where these guys both win, and you can still utilize both of those guys. You're going to use two running backs, so I'm not that worried about it. It's just a matter of getting the proper flow and both of those guys taking advantage of when they're out there. It's up, yeah. it's up to them as much as anything, too. Obviously, there's a little bit of luck, how the play call, how the blocking is in front of them. But, you know, I think you got to go with a hot hand. And yes. those guys' roles, I think, are starting to become a little bit more defined. I would hope so, because I wrote about it on milehighhuddle.com this last week, and I'm not just tooting my own horn. I am so upset with Philip Lindsay's usage, because anytime you see Drew Locke under center, it's an inside handoff or a counter or a power inside run, and it doesn't work. They know that Philip Lindsay, they're not utilizing him in the passing game at all. I said it on Twitter. I'm going to say it again right now. The narrative last season that Philip Lindsay can't catch. Well, you know what? You're damn right he can't catch when he doesn't get any targets, Nick, in the New England Patriots game. So I'm not saying that he's going to be this burner receiver. Um, I've got, I've had my fair share of critiques of Philip Lindsay as well. So I am in no way saying I'm a homer for the Colorado kid. And I want to see him get out there um, just for that storyline. I want to see Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon work in tandem. Now I got to talk to a Denver Bronco DB uh, that played for Mike Shanahan um, this last week. And he told me that he would rather prepare against Melvin Gordon. The reason being Melvin Gordon's that North South runner. He knows with Melvin Gordon, he has less of a chance getting beaten on a juke in the open space. Um, He would rather play that powerful running back that Melvin Gordon is and Philip Lindsay presents a lot of different opportunities, Nick, but running inside between the tackles, that was something that he was able to do well because of the offense from last year and the year before. There's no more fullback. Don't bring Andrew Beck in there and say he's your lead blocker or anything like that. Janovich is gone. That style of running is gone. I don't think the Broncos are using Philip Lindsay the right way. And I'm just going to say it. And I don't know why. I don't know if Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio just – for whatever reason, are a little lukewarm, for lack of a better word, on Philip Lindsay, and they feel like maybe with Melvin Gordon that he's a bigger guy with a little bit more. I don't necessarily want to say prestige to his name, but I don't get it, Nick. Help me out. I mean, are they using Philip Lindsay the right way? I know you don't. Running backs, I get it, man. I'm the same way. I'm right there with you. So when you overvalue running backs, which looks like the Broncos just did, we're where we're at right now. Talk to me about Philip Lindsay, man. Are they using him the right way or am I just crazy? I think that something with Philip Lindsay, especially in the past game, is that there's like kind of a somewhat awkward transition where if the ball isn't put with good pace, good touch, that he has a the transition from receiver to running back is just a little bit clunky. Mm-hmm. And if the ball's not hit to him in time, perfectly and drew lock say what you will about him but sometimes those balls are not perfectly placed the short passes and then you know he's tackled behind the line of scrimmage or as soon as he gets the ball because this just takes too long it's a little bit awkward i don't see that as much with gordon i think gordon brings a more diversified skill set uh overall but i think Lindsay is the far more explosive runner so again between the 20s first and second down when you know it's not going to be a run play that's that's Philip Lindsay's time to shine, and he might break one. I really love the counters we saw last week. He's mm-hmm. really good in the line of scrimmage and kicking it out. Uh, just I don't know if it's because they can't see him because he's short, or he's so good with that start and stop, the ability to throttle down, uh, or the vision as well, but the ability to kick out and do those things. So again, you can find niches for both those guys. Now we could argue Melvin Gordon. Should you pay a running back that much money? It's not like they paid him, you know, Le'Veon Bell money, so to speak, or Todd Gurley money. Of, or right. another a number of those other running backs. So 
I think it's there's a little bit of nuance in that conversation. I think you can get value out of both of them. I think you're going to have to use both of them this week. Uh, but I think that, again, I wouldn't have paid Gordon, but I think there's plenty of value for both those guys and enough touches to go around where they can all <laughs> they can all go. I agree with you, Nick. And you know what, though? Charlie figured it out for us. The only fair solution is to start Royce Freeman. Charlie Beagle, Mm -hmm. I love it, man, because that's a perfect way to kind of wrap into our last segment, man. Royce Freeman, um, the last thing I want to say about running backs, can we please stop flexing him out on the perimeter as a wide receiver for whatever? I just – I don't get it. What are you doing? I mean – Royce Freeman is, uh, I just, I don't get it. Playing silly little games, quote, quote. I wouldn't mind doing those silly little games. If I was a offensive coordinator, I'd figure out some sort of motion to do before every single play because then the defense has to recheck their run fits and everything. So if I was the running back out there or the offensive coordinator, I'd have a running back that's on the boundary and has to motion in and have that linebacker or safety have to readjust and then maybe have that guy haul ass. And then call mm-hmm. hype quickly when he's reset, just to just get a little bit of confusion, and also have the defense tip their hand as far as uh, what type of coverage they're going to be utilizing. So I don't think it's always the worst if you can utilize that motion and put a linebacker, a running back out there in space if it's part of a uh, making the defense show their hand. Now that said, when he's out there playing wide receiver, that's dumb. But I think that's partially because Gordon was out as well. But we'll see what happens. The thing I really want to talk about is we kind of hinted at it a little bit, but we have not gone full steam ahead is the amount of guys coming back on the Broncos defense. And we've talked about AJ Boye coming back. I'm really excited about the three cornerback sets with Michael Ojemudia, who's playing very good football, AJ Boye, who's still probably the best cornerback on this roster and Bryce Callahan's who's been playing great. And then also on top of that, you get Demarcus Walker back who anybody who has been following me for a while knows that I didn't think Demarcus Walker was a second round valuable player. I thought that he was a cleanup sack guy that got just blown up at the point of attack. Yep. And if he didn't move the swim move, he was out. And so I was not a big fan of that pick. Really Me wanted Matt Cunningham, who's I think now a Pro Bowl linebacker. Is he? Uh, but, is he? He's having success in the league. He's yeah, yeah he's, doing, he's doing pretty well. Um, oh, but uh, okay. but Draymond Jones is back too. So I think that the Broncos they have had some issues with getting after the passer. I know that some people are excited about Malik Reed, even though going back and watching, I think he's okay. But those sacks that we saw last week were very much. Uh, schematic and coverage sacks, but we can get, yeah. we can get away from that. I think getting Demarcus Walker, who can rush the passer, we'll call mm-hmm. it as it is. He can rush the passer and Draymond Jones back this week are also going to be very big. And if the Broncos want to beat Patrick Mahomes, they're going to have to be able to get pressure without sending the house and getting specifically Draymond Jones, but also Demarcus Walker back, I think goes a long way towards creating pressure on Patrick Mahomes. And when you're hitting a guy, I know he's looked pretty infallible. So, so infallible so far, but when you're hitting a guy, sometimes they're more likely to make mistakes. And I think that, getting those two guys back interior pressure, which I love that's, that can be a huge turning point for the Broncos. And when you're hitting a guy in the cold, man, Nick, that sucks. I remember you remember, I mean, you guys all remember playing, they call them stingers, right? And man, they hurt. They hurt. I can only imagine at the NFL level. uh, I mean, those guys just banging and they're not going to be wearing sleeves or anything like that. They're, they're crazy, right? Just absolutely crazy. But no, I agree with you, man. You got to try to disrupt them where you can. I wish Las Vegas can have an over under on Shelby Harris batted down balls because that as you were talking about getting pressure and things like that, I'm thinking, man, how awesome, you know, would it be to see Mike Purcell getting in there and just wreaking havoc? But that's just not quite the player he is. He's a consistent stuffer. He owns that line of scrimmage, but he's not the pass rusher that even I, I think Domata Pecco somewhat had a little bit more of a edge to his game on, on that end. But um, Nick, when Pat Mahomes, man, I think I think those batted balls, I'll take those. They're not as good as a sack, but you know what? That's a dead play. And I think that's something that's very realistic. Now, it's silly to hear myself say that. Man, I wonder how, how many batted balls Shelby Harris is going to have considering it. Years ago, I would look at myself and think, dude, you're lucky to maybe have one out of two games. Shelby Harris has been making a career of it. So we are going to have to see. Uh, we have some other folks coming in. Chubb and Harris are going to have to have huge games. Nick, and Harris- I want to touch Go on ahead. this one. Chubb yes. is in this game. Uh, he's been playing incredibly well. Now, we do have to say that the both left tackle situations he's gone about in the last two games have been injured. Uh, Luminor was taken out, and then he beat up on, I can't even remember who, uh, Isaiah Wynn, who's Talented, no doubt. That one arm uh, power move that he used on him was incredible. Uh, and then also he beat up on uh, Mackay Becton, who was like holding his shoulder after every single play. 
So Jets are a trash organization. I just want to throw that out there. Adam Gates is a trash coach. Uh, but I think that we have Mitchell Schwartz out this week. I'm not sure exactly what that means for the Chiefs' right tackle situation. Maybe it's Lucas Niang, who's a rookie who has some talent, but I liked him. plays a little upright. I thought he was mm-hmm. a decent right tackle prospect for the future. Uh, but I don't see any issue. Typically, you see Bradley Chubb rush the left tackle. I'm putting up against the right tackle this week. I want to see put him in the best situation possible. I think Ed Rushers probably have the the least amount of issues switching from side to side. It's not like tackle where the, the technique is like everything's reversed. It's a little easier for that edge rusher because they do go inside outside so much. So I want to see Bradley Chubb again, a favorable matchup this week, backup right tackle for the chiefs get after it and prove that you're back. I mean, he's, he's proven that he's back, but I think Bradley Chubb could be in for a big game and Mitchell Schwartz being out. I don't think that can be overstated. Yeah. Mitchell Schwartz, man. It wasn't his brother. Jeff was, was his brother's name, right? Jeff Schwartz. Yes. Very good. Yeah. A whole, is he a hall of famer too? I think he was just really good for a long time. Okay. He's yeah. He's, he's one of those. Really nice. Yeah. He's one of those linemen, right. That I just consider in the upper echelon, Mark Schlereth's, you know, not in the hall of fame, yeah. but they're very just, personable, funny, married, yeah, they, married way above their punch or way above their punching glass. <laughs> and their knowledge of the game is yes. unbelievable. I mean, yeah. you look at, you look at the way they're able to, just I don't know assess quarterbacks wide receivers and you're thinking from an offensive lineman but anyway man I completely agree with you now here is a worry that I have with that and I pushed back with it earlier this week um you know with moving Bradley Chubb I have some concerns obviously with that ACL that has been surgically repaired twice because for whatever reason I know Bradley Chubb is definitely warming up and he said he's back in in the Jets, you know, with an expletive in there. And I loved the enthusiasm and Broncos country feels like he's back as well. I don't. I think that I think that I think he has a little bit of hesitation still. I, I just don't know. I'm not seeing the. I'm not seeing the full trust on that leg just yet. I think he's gaining confidence in it. And I don't know if you move him permanently just to lock down that one side to go against the backup, if that's going to mess with his mentality of rushing the passer, just because man, when you're a beast like Bradley Chubb and you carry your weight lean, mean, and strong and that ACL has been surgically repaired twice. You're going to have a little bit of hesitation in every game. I mean, it's just one of those things when it's your recovery year and he's back on the field already. Do you have any concerns with that ACL if he moved sides? That's a good point. I guess it comes down to which is his foot that he's pushing off of to start. And if he's worried about it being that other foot on the other side, that's something that you'd have to ask him and the trainer how they feel about that. But just of a pure matchup, assuming Chubb is playing healthy, I Get him some him reps right there. Tackle. And, it's, and it is Mike Remmers. I think Chase said, uh, put uh, put Remmers on the, uh, put Chubb on Remmers' side. So Mike Remmers is actually somebody that I advocated for the Broncos to sign multiple times because he was a league average tackling guard, and they probably would have been better off going that way rather than Elijah Wilkinson out of the gate. But here we are. We still got beyond Wilkinson. So I, Although I do wish him a speedy recovery because I trust him more than Jake Rogers. Uh, but that being said, I definitely think that's something that is – worth monitoring and i'm curious to see if the broncos are going to flip those guys and also you're talking about bradley chubb coming back being full confidence i think that those first couple weeks we could say that but the last few weeks he's looked so good and that's despite other teams scheming against him the other teams right now from what i can see do not respect whatever edge rushers on the other side of bradley chubb a lot of Mm -hmm. one-on-ones and if they win you know so be it we're leaving them on an island chubb's getting chipped chubb's getting double teamed and he he's winning granted again left tackles have been hurt the last two weeks but still I think that this is a conversation for the future, given that Von Miller might be moving on, might have to talk edge rushers. Uh, yes. But I think Bradley Chubb is definitely the the alpha right now. Shelby Harris is probably playing as good as anybody, but Chubb is the guy who teams are scheming against. And that says a lot. I think back or not, he's making a heck of an impact and he's playing like one of the better edge rushers in football right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, man, I just got to laugh when I see this. The, I know. The crazy. The crazy. Based Gaze coming in with the super chat. Thank you so much. I love the picture. How confident are you that we score over 40? It's the only way we beat the Chiefs. You got to fight fire with fire. Well, you know what, Nick? I uh, initially roll my eyes at this. And then I think about John Elway. And Based Gaze is exactly right. He went in the draft saying, you got to fight fire with fire. I'm going to go get some speed. Some of that speed is going to be on the field with KJ Hamler. He is back and I am hoping to see a big game from the young fella. So if you're the, 
Go ahead. KJ, is this is this crazy to say? I know that we haven't seen him very much, but I think KJ Hamler's game against Pittsburgh is the best rookie wide receiver game so yes. far this year. You bet. I think he could have been better than Judy. And Judy last yep. week, again, talking about Bill Belichick or scheming stuff, the Patriots schemed out Jerry Judy. Very much so. They were respecting Jerry Judy. But I think that week two game with KJ Hamler was as good as any rookie wide receiver performance we've seen for the Broncos this year. I agree with you. And I think Judy is a little hesitant right now. And I don't know why I I'm wondering if maybe he's a little surprised. Um, you know, he's a very confident receiver and was the best receiver in the draft class on my board. And I know he was on your board as well, right? I had Henry Ruggs number one. Ah, well, you're a Raider fan. So there you go. Um, but no, no, I kid, I kid, but no, uh, going over 40 to get back to the, the super chat real quick. Um, I don't think the chances are good at all. Uh, the Broncos could not score an offensive touchdown against New England, guys. Okay, that doesn't make me a hater. That None of that stuff. That's just a fact. Brandon McManus, you know, coming off special teams player of the week, all that stuff. I picked him up in my fantasy league. Maybe y'all should too. It's a field goal game, blah, blah, why blah. Why was he available? Yeah, why was he available? Right, I know it. Um, but, it, man, going, going 40 points, if that's the plan, you're going to lose. I'm telling you right now, if that's the plan, you're going to lose. If you're going to beat the Chiefs, you're not going to beat them on the offensive side of the ball. You're going to beat them on the defensive side of the ball. This is where you have to have turnovers. To pick off Patrick Mahomes, I understand that is asking a whole hell of a lot. But you know what? Fumbles in the wet weather, in the snow, in the cold. Guys get punched. Guys get you know beaten up, all those other things, and the ball squirts out. You do have a rookie running back back there. Now, on the other side of that, Nick, the ball squirts out. Phil Lindsay doesn't fumble. Melvin Gordon fumbles, and that's a problem for me right there. If if Lindsay fumbles this week, everybody at Luke on Twitter and say you cursed him, at Luke Patterson LP, talking in. Hey, please what do. Is please do. I'll, just- do. I'll double down on that and say that Philip Lindsay will uh, not fumble in the next three games. So go, go ahead and get Matt. That's right. Only a Sith. And uh, get at me at Luke Batterson LP. Get at Nick Kendall at Nick Kendall MHH. Milehighhuddle.com where we have so much work and so much content. Check out Nick's other show with Carl Dumbler, uh, Building the Broncos on, on Tuesday nights, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. And give us those little likes and thumbs up. And, uh, yeah, guys, be sure to check out our, our, our podcasts, all of them. Huddle up. Dove Valley Deep Divers. John does a great job with all those other shows. So as we just wrap up some final thoughts, let's get into predictions, Nick. I want to know how you're uh, you're seeing this game. I read your official pick. I want to know, based on the news that you heard today of Bosby, or maybe you have a funny spine-tingling feeling that you maybe want to change it or add something in. This is it, man. This is your last chance. We are the last show before the game. I want to hear that prediction give it to me right now tell broncos country is the streak over well the broncos will continue their trend this year of being one of the best teams covering the spread good teams win great teams cover but i think the broncos end up losing this week in a close game 28 to 27 i think that it could go either way and yeah that's uh careful don't get that mad i'm getting excited i'm getting excited i'm punching my mic but you're telling me a one-point game the broncos stayed with the chiefs and it's a one-point game one point game. And wow. I think again, moral victories are for teams that aren't in Super Bowl contention, but that's kind of where the Broncos are right now. I think they're going to have a, it's going to be a good game. I think they're going to lose just barely, but I think there's going to be a lot of positives coming out of this game where we can look forward and say, and point to, Hey, you know, the Broncos lost that game, but they got a real confidence boost because they knew they could go head to head with the chiefs. And that kicks off the second half of the season. I think they put on a butt whooping on the chargers then. And uh, we, we're, we're flying high going forward into the the rest of the season. So I think that they are going to lose. I think it's going to be a good good game. I think the Broncos are going to give the Chiefs everything they can handle, just not enough in the end. I have never picked the Denver Broncos to win a football game this year. And I am so sorry to tell you, the Chiefs are no longer beating the Broncos tomorrow, folks. The streak is over. It's happening. Brandon McManus, the leg, is going to win this game for the Denver Broncos. Call me crazy, but I've got a funny feeling. Maybe it's all the Halloween decorations and the eeriness outside, Nick. I don't know what it is, man. But Charlie Beagle coming in here. 39-35, Broncos on 13 BMAC field goals. I'll take it, Charlie. I will take it. 
here's the thing, man. The Broncos, they don't have anything to lose. They have yeah. nothing to lose. They're beat up. They've got all kinds of money sitting on the bench. Ryan Jamal coming in here saying, we're going to shock the world, 27-24. Yes, Luke. You know what, Ryan? I like your score, and that's what I have in my pick as well. 27-24, the Denver Broncos beat the Chiefs on their home turf. I'm not saying it's going to turn the season around, but you know what? Two wins on the road. That hasn't happened in a while. Maybe it's time to finally put the Chiefs to bed, at least for one one game. Holden Adams coming in here, 31-28 with the game winner. McMoney. McMoney. Man, well, speaking about McMoney, we got to get Mick get out of here. <laughs> the worst <laughs> transition of all time. But guys, yeah. that's got to do it for our show today. You can find Luke on Twitter at Luke Patterson LP and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Make sure you head on over to Mile High Huddle, which is an affiliate of Sports Illustrated. Also, guys, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and a comment on YouTube. Like, subscribe, and share on Facebook. Click those thumbs up. Click the heart emoji. All of that can really help us reach uh, new Denver Bronco fans and bring this content to them. And it's a huge support to us. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and at MHI Football Pod. For Luke, I'm Nick wrapping up another episode of the Mile High Insiders. Luke, got any plans the rest of the night? Yeah, I'm going to go um, talk terrible things about the Chiefs with my neighbors for the rest of the night. So since Tim Patrick couldn't do it, I'm going to do it for him and just curse out the Chiefs. I'm done with it, man. They can be beat. Fear no man. Otherwise, why are you stepping on the field? I absolutely love Tim Patrick. I think he's going to have another career game tomorrow against the Chiefs. And uh, always believe in that Mile High Magic, baby. We got this Broncos country. Let's ride. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to go drown my sorrows for an Iowa loss today at Purdue. And I, I have a bottle of whiskey waiting. You'll feel me. much so. better. To, you'll feel much better tomorrow night, brother. You'll be celebrating. Trust me. It'll be a rough Monday morning, but you will be happy. Absolutely. Well, appreciate everyone stopping by. We love y'all. Stay safe. And as always, go Broncos. Go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.